This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Bye, Felicia. <laughs> I'm so black, Christian. One day I looked at God with a side-eye emoji, almost sold my faith to the highest bid when a black man compared my faith to slave purchase. Like my Bible pages are made of master's cashier receipts. Say all that dancing and shout was just from the cracking of his whips. You can still hear his echo breathing somewhere in the back pews, telling me you, you can, can only be black or, or Christian. Christian. But they don't sway me. Just makes my faith tougher than scarred skin. Like the sun just makes my skin blacker. Their scorn makes my faith bolder. I'm so black Christian. I thought all black men were raised without fathers. I thought all black men wanted to be fathers. Love their children with oakwood arms and flower-filled hearts. Their branches never wander into foreign gardens, but forge hedges of protection around their family. Family, for some, is a word all too foreign. But some is not all. Not every black woman has to be bodied by statistics, forced to live with bruised heart, absent men and bastard children, praying in war rooms alone. I see young boy, pants sagging, dreadlocks knotted in rebellion, middle finger to cops, smelling like early morning marijuana, and I think to myself, is he not a candidate for the same grace that elected you? He could become black Christian, but, but not, not like, like the, the ones, ones you like. like. Johnny won't sing the hymns you like. He won't fit in your box of bow ties and respectability. Will that make him any less Christian? I'm so black Christian. I am not every black Christian. We feel estranged when our experiences are not the same as other black Christians. But we are tapestries, threads of consciousness that do not match but intersect paths, trying to make sense of our savior and skin. If Christ be fully man, fully God, I can, I can be, be fully, fully black, black and fully, fully his. Thank you.
What's going on, family? My name is Joseph Solomon. I'm a singer, songwriter, poet, spoken word artist, YouTuber, lifelong student, ever doubtful or ever curious Christian, frequent flyer, blackity black. Welcome to the Flights and Feelings podcast, where we thoughtfully and vulnerably travel through faith, relationships, sexuality, science, health, and culture via storytelling, poetry, and conversation. Yo, once again, thank you to all the good folks over at the Flights and Feelings Sky Club on Patreon. They have been a huge part as to why this podcast is still able to go on publicly. Uh, They have also heard this particular conversation you're about to hear between me and my good friend Preston Perry in its unedited, unabridged form. All right. This conversation that we had ended up being about an hour and 51 minutes. And some people want the longer versions of things. Uh, We also discuss those things through live streams on Zoom uh, a couple times a week. Uh, There's just extra content in general. And it's been a great way to keep content going. So I would love to see you as a member of the Flights and Feelings Sky Club on Patreon at patreon.com slash what is Joe doing? A lot of times when we talk about apologetics, we do learn apologetics from um, people in, in these white spaces, basically. Yeah. And I think one thing you you see with in in these white spaces is that when they when they when they deal with other worldviews, they they have the luxury to deal with it um, solely from an intellectual theological space, not a social space, mm. right? Because I think I think in so many ways. Uh, as far as there's in white society, everything in, 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 a lot of times in the West has catered to white society. So when they talk to when they when they talk to a Mormon, when they talk to Jehovah's Witness or Seven Day Adventist or any like uh, somebody like that, they have the luxury to only talk about it from a theological or some philosophical or uh, yeah point of view. Yeah. But in our context, it's not merely um, a theological conversation is very it's very much social it is yeah. it is it is like a, so in, in a lot of ways a lot of these black religions was fueled by white supremacy so it's like how do you deal with this they how were do, reactionary yes right yeah. and that's the what's one thing i told to a, a hebrew israelite when i was talking to him last summer um and he when he was telling me you know that you know i'm a slave to the white man's teaching and i said and so he, then he began to give me all of these philosophical examples and i said well well, uh, um, these hypothetical examples, I mean. And then I said, well, let me give you a hypothetical. I said, if the white man, if you erase what the white man has done out of the history of this country, do you do you still have a religion? <laughs> and I said, I said, and I wasn't trying to be disrespectful to him, but I reason the reason why I raised that question to him. It's a said, great question. Yeah, it's a very good question. Yeah, and but the reason why I raised the question to him because I, I said like. I said, the reason why you have been able to exalt the black man as kind of God in a way, because you've made the white man the Edomite, which is the, the so-called devil. Mm-hmm. So if you, you erase what the white man has done out of the history of humanity. You really no longer have a religion. You no longer have an enemy. You no longer have, you know, and I was like, so they let you know that your religion is not really based on what God has done, but what men has done. Mm-hmm. And I was like, so that, so so with that, I think... 
we just have a different task as as urban black apologists to um, not just approach it from a theological intellectual space, but from a very social yeah. place. And so I, I think I think that's the reason why the black apologists, especially in the urban community, uh, has a very detailed task ahead of him. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. And it's detailed and it's inherently, and when you say social, it's, we're having, at this point, black Christians, not everyone, but I think to some degree in the past few years, considering the climate of our country, we've had to go through some kind of identity crisis. Mm -hmm. And you have to figure out how you're going to respond to the identity crisis. It's like, am I really... Still on Massa's plantation? Like, am I, right. am I still carrying out his mission? Yeah. You know, you had to really think about that. What is my what is my place in Christianity, if there is one for me to have at all? And Christians, man, this is great. Because, like, this is where our two worlds sort of collide. I think I yeah. talked about in one of the early podcasts having a faith that is future-proof. We're going into the future and can your can your faith be adaptable should i say to some degree uh, that's that's for lack of better terms is your faith usable in the future can, will it become obsolete in the future cuz this is where we're moving towards yeah. right now there's two things on the horizon for the black christian especially for the the black intellectual uh christian in america is this on one side we are moving towards a very very where we're already moving into a very secular society. And it's like, do we even need God in the first place? Do we need specifically the Christian God? Mm -hmm. Is there any use for him when we have so much science, we have so much uh, medical advance, and we're understanding the world in a different way that generations before us didn't understand it. And as we move into the future, God sort of gets moved further and further out to the outskirts along with all his followers, right? So that's... On one side, but then another route that we're moving on as well is the up is the is the calling out of racism and the uplifting of black and dark skinned people. Yeah, and of course that can move in towards a uh, yeah we're, we're moving into very very specific grounds of understanding the beauty of our identity. Yeah. So when you put those two things together, the yeah. black intellectual Christian is in a very interesting space where it's like, I, I'm, the world is moving in a, in a uplifting and uh, a, a hyper attention towards race, and it's moving towards secularism. What am I doing as a black Christian yeah. in a secular space? Um, that while I'm in a in a faith that is so-called the white man's religion. Yeah. I'm in a white man's religion and I shouldn't even be in religion in the first place. So Absolutely. you're kind of like Yeah, cuz I I think I think you have those two those two separate spectrums. I, I like you have you have you have the the people who have struggled with their faith because, you know, they they feel like like the the Bible doesn't confirm science or science doesn't really confirm the Bible. They feel like they conflict with one another and they just in in these spaces where they where they think and then you have these people um like black people and so I like as far as the science thing, I've never really str- my faith has never really struggled. And I get this question a lot from people who watch my YouTube channel or listen to the podcast. They say, you know, Preston, is doing apologetics um dangerous? They say 
you know, it, they ask this question like, is, is venturing and, and learning about science and how, it, you know, it, 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 it uh, coincides with the Bible and learning about history or learning about other world faiths, is it, it's just something that can potentially drive us away from the faith. And I have to be honest, I never told anybody this. I never really struggled with the science piece, but I have struggled with, uh, with the identity piece, with the, uh, am I serving um, the right God um, because of because of of all of this stuff that's happening in my country, and not just in my country, but just people who I claim um, to the world are my brothers and sisters, it almost seems as if the Hebrew Israelites and the Moors are right. Um, I, and so I, I, I've never really shared this story, but um, uh, I think like five, six years ago, actually I, I was writing a poem, Dear Mike Brown, when you was planning your event, Canvas, in Houston. And um, the Dem- the Mike Brown situation when he got murdered, um, you know, literally blocks away from where my wife grew up at, it just it just destroyed me, man. I, I was I was really heartbroken, and I wrote that piece. And um, after I wrote the piece, I put it on Instagram and I put it on YouTube or whatever. And just the reaction that it got from white Christians, like, really broke my heart. What was the reaction? It was it was it was. Um, how do you know he wasn't a thug? You know, uh, is he, he was, he, he, you know, how do we know he wasn't guilty? Uh, you know, and then a very popular um, pastor um, wrote a blog and in the blog it talked about how he basically broke down that he reaped what he sowed. Mm. And so a lot of people kind of like sent that blog to me. And at that time I was witnessing to uh, Hebrew Israelites in Chicago. Uh, a, a group of Hebrew Israelites called the One Westerners. And so me and my my guys, we would go downtown. We would, we would, we were witness to them. A couple of them, well, not a couple, a lot of them was following me on Instagram at the time, and they came in my comment section and was literally mocking me and mocking the community that I that I'm a part of. They were like, "This is the community that you're a part of. This is this is this is your brothers and sisters." The same people who are in your comment section saying this black man reaped what he sowed, this this, this is what you belong to, and it it, it made me feel stupid. Mm. So I, I so I, I was like I literally set up one night, and I, I began to flirt with this idea that man maybe I'm in the wrong religion, maybe that maybe you know I, I believe in Jesus I believe. That you know, um, that he died for sins. I believe that you know, yeah, that he's that he's God. I believe that he's you know, probably you know, more than likely a, a, a light brown man or probably darker. Definitely doesn't believe he's a white man, blue eye, um, blonde hair, and blue eyes or whatever. But man, maybe you know, black people do need to separate and claim something for ourselves. So maybe you know, like, like. You know, God designed it for for us to be oppressed, and maybe we might be a chosen people to weigh up. You know, what I, mean? I I I start had I had questions in my my head. I begin to doubt, and I begin to pray, man. And I I I expressed it to a couple of people, and I begin to pray, and I was like, look, the Lord, like I I have this truth in front of me, and I believe that these are my brothers and sisters in Christ, but I'm starting not to believe it, and you need to help me.
listen, bro, that is a common experience right now for a lot of like a lot of black people have kind of gone through that. And I think that's where Satan would want to drive a wedge and really cause a lot of confusion. But I don't believe that all division is bad division. I think we've always assumed that you're creating division and they say it as a it's bad not. thing. I'm like, well. I'm glad you said that because it's not. <laughs> but let me just tell you, I, I want to I pick your brain about that because I, I have some questions to you about that. But I want to tell you what, what God did when he answered my prayer. He, uh, I had agreed before this all happened to go hunting with this man named Ray Orland who's really a giant in the faith. He's a really humble dude, but, like, this man wrote some, a lot of the U-Version Bible. Like, like this dude is a dope dude. He's a white man from that lives in Nashville, and he invited me to go hunting uh, with him. So I flew out there to go hunting with him, and in my time with him, God began to, like, heal my heart from the hurt that I experienced with my white brothers and sisters. And I remember him being in the car, and I mean, uh, he began to cry and weep, for the things that he saw on my Instagram and the things that he saw um, that transpired in my life. And he just began to apologize just for, you know, the things that my people went through. And I began, and I remember him telling me, like, as a white man, I don't have the answers. I don't know, like, why God is allowing this to happen. But this whole weekend, I just want to learn from you. I don't want to teach. I just want you to teach me. I want you to hear, I want to I hear you. And... Through, I think, the love that he showed me that weekend, God began to heal my heart with some things and began to show me, like, no, like, there are people in this community that don't understand where I come from, but they're willing to love me through it. And so if I don't think if I had that experience, I don't know where I would have went in my faith. And I think that that just shows you that in our wrestling, that if we, I think, if we're faithful to to come back to God with our, with our questions— like he, like his Holy Spirit would do something that our intellect can't yeah, and would send his people. Do you think that looks weak though? Like, yo, this this white dude is, or whoever, not not Ray, but just anybody. We, I think black people have had that experience. We, we exist oftentimes more than non, well, more than white people. We exist in two different spaces very often where- yeah. We don't have to intentionally go into white spaces. We that's just yeah. We end up in white spaces, yeah, and we come from black spaces. But you know, for a white person to who are or white people are doing this a lot right now, wanting to come into black spaces now and want to learn and all that, and it almost kind of feels like, yeah, like do you feel like that can be like from the outside looking in? It's like, oh man, they went. They wouldn't cry to you and say they wanna they wanna learn and stuff. So you forgave and now you wanna yeah. you wanna forgive everything. Like uh, no no I, I think I think I think in some in some situations it can be. I think oh, even with this George Floyd situation, I've said no to the last five white churches that reached out to me to do race talks because I don't feel like it's a it's it's you really trying to love on me. It's you. Sometimes I think to be honest, it's people trying to save face, trying to trying to you know get a black voice to speak to something that they never spoke to like this stuff didn't happen for a long time like why do you want to get or whatever but like for him he didn't want to you know he didn't want to invite me to his church he didn't want to you know um put me on his podcast he didn't want he just he just he just wanted to like bring me in his home yeah and to eat with me 
and to and to talk with me and not just about race but just he just wanted to learn from me as a as a person he didn't treat me as his black man yeah. he treated me like a, a man yeah. that was black who yeah. was made in the image of God and I think that's the that's the difference and I think that's the thing that like love does like even if I have some you know even if I'm skeptical about white people like if it, if it's real genuine love it's gonna break down some some barriers and it really doesn't have to do anything with him being a white man and I'm being a black man even though we can't escape it and I'm proud to be black and Christian but it's just like man like I think love the Bible is true like love uh yeah conquers all things mm. and it conquered my doubt about white people yeah at that at that at that time so i i think i think it is to so to answer your question about is it being weak i think it can be i think it can be uh a thin line between white people who really wanna who really wanna learn and grow and 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 be a student of um um of black voices um and but also you know people who who just wanna yeah, learn for a season and then just kind of go back to things, how things used to be. Yeah, because the, the question to ask is now, you know, now that it's not really the height of the news at the moment, you know, or even a few months from now, if we go a good bit of time without people talking about or seeing, you know, a, a, a dead black body on video or something like that, is the concern going to be there? But that, but again, it sounds like we're talking about, it almost sounds like we're getting off topic because we're supposed to be talking about apologetics, but we, like you said, it's such a social thing. You yeah. can't escape that. Like when we're talking about having doubt, man, when I see continually the way that black people have, it's not even just like a, we can talk about American history, whatever it may be and and the, the black person's space in that. But for a long time, black people, I remember Andre 3000 wore an outfit on some awards show, I forget now, but it's like, yeah. um, I think it said something to the effect of like across history, black people suffer most. Why is that? Or something like that. I think yeah. they had like an outfit. And it's such a great question. It's a really great question. When you think about even just the, like I was watching a video on YouTube the other day um, about, you know, why some countries experience such, so much poverty and others don't. And then when you look at some of the world's most impoverished nations, if it's not in Africa, it's in some... Other places. Some dark skin space, you yeah. know what I'm saying? So it's like, dang, God, that can really raise some real questions. Like, dang, God, either we are the, either we're the chosen people or we're the cursed people. Yeah. Real talk. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it, you can, it can raise a lot of questions. And so for, for black Christians, not to say that apologetics and the defending of the faith doesn't have something to offer everyone because Obviously, it does, but there is a unique, a unique um, offering that it has for Black people right now. Again, considering how secular we're moving, and how much we are paying more attention to the the plight of dark skinned people, and it's like as a as a dark skinned Christian, and when you become more aware of the situation, you're like. Apologetics is no longer, it's not just a philosophical or intellectual jousting mm-hmm. or sparring. It's like, nah, bro, like I my identity I, is wrapped up in this, in the, in these questions. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that, I think that's the reason why 
so many people, I think, <laughs> last what seven, five, seven years have have left the faith and went to these black religions because they're, what they're searching for is an identity. Yeah. You know, and I think that one of the things that I, I think is that black people, and that's the reason why I wrote New World Christian and I said towards the end of the poem, like, don't let Satan trick you, make you think the cross we bear is a people ain't beautiful, like God ain't got no crowns waiting for black craniums after we endure to the end. Mm-hmm. A day is coming when Jesus will swoon over the true woke Christian in all white. And I and I believe that. And I think that when we look at the narrative of Jesus and the suffering that he endured, right? There is a there is a there is a particular type of glory I, I believe that the suffering black Christian will 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 experience in heaven. Mm. There is a there is a like when we look at the life of Jesus, there is a there, there is a particular type of glory that slaves who serve Jesus just think about that yeah. who endured who endured they endured a cross. It's very different. It's a very different and, cross. And, and you have to explain, yeah, because it almost sounded like you was like, you can start sounding like Nick Cannon for a second. It's like, wait a minute, are you trying to say that black people have like a, you know, a better glory? But like, no. But what, when Paul says, no. yeah, like, I, I, I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared. And what are the suffer? What are the sufferings of this particular time? Yeah. And they look, they look different. They look different. And so I'm not saying, I'm not saying that black people are going to be exalted. Right. More, in heaven more than white people. We, at the end of the day, what's going to happen is you're going to get them crowns. And I remember one of my friends asked me, he was like, man, do you think that we're going to be, when we get to heaven, are we going to be jealous because somebody had a better crown than us or whatever? No. It was like, well, it doesn't matter because guess what? We're all going to be casting crowns. Yeah. Whatever crown you did get, you're going to throw it on the ground regardless. Yeah. So there still is a, a glorifying of one particular man who is Jesus. Yeah. So when I wrote that line, it wasn't it wasn't an attempt to tell black people, hey, we're going to be better than people in heaven. <laughs> Just wait. <laughs> Just wait. But it, but it is, but it, it was an encouragement to tell people that do not think that we are a cursed people. That, um, um, you know, I think, I think, in, I think later on in the poem, I said uh, that, that 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 Jesus thought so much of us that he allowed us to share in his sufferings, like for the for the for the Christian, right? To 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 know that that anything that we experience, because God is our Father, like as a father, um, I, I have two daughters. They cannot suffer, and I don't suffer. They don't. They don't have to be suffering necessarily for my namesake, right? For 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 me to be suffering with them, right? That's right. Say it again. So one more so time. so they don't. They don't have to be suffering for my namesake for 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 me to be suffering with them, mm. right? So so if you belong to God, if you have a hangnail, God is suffering because mm. He's not just some God. He's a Father. So just think about the the Christians who are black and who are experiencing a particular type of suffering in this country. You don't think God, our Father, is suffering with us? So I so I, th- I think I think I think that when we when we think about the suffering saint in this country, we just shouldn't. And, and that's the reason why when we start talking about the persecuted church, we have to start talking about the black church. Absolutely. Right, we have to start talking about the black church because the the suffering saint is not just somebody who who gets martyred for the faith. The mm. suffering saint is anybody who suffers an injustice, and I, and our Father in heaven, He's concerned and He cares, and He's suffering with us yeah. as a as a father. You know what I'm saying? So I I just think that I just think that man, like for that reason, that black Christians who 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 in, endure suffering and injustice, like. 
man, like a day is coming when Jesus will, will, will come and we will share in his glory in such a beautiful way. Such a beautiful way. also have to talk about how it's not just that the black church is wrapped up within when we talk about persecuted church we have to talk about black church but just when we talk about the church in general and what black people what role they've played in church history oftentimes we don't talk about or it's kind of glossed over i remember you know being in in seminary and learning of some really huge, you know, giants in the faith that I had no idea that they came from Africa. You mm-hmm. know, like for instance, the the of course, whether the the term, the concept of a, of a triune God, the church has believed for a long time. Uh, it, it just been for the most part a consensus that the Bible teaches a triune God, but where we get the, the name Trinity and where it was first sort of argued and, and coined that it's from a black, it's from a, from an African man, mm. Tertullian teach us, you know, and that's, that's not some like, you know, peripheral thing of the Christian faith um, that was argued some down, sometime down the road or whatever, but rather black, black people, African people played a, a very integral role in understanding Christianity, even from a Western perspective, like um, St. Augustine. I didn't even know, like, I didn't even know. We talk about, I learned about Augustine all the time. And when I found out, I was like, wait a minute, he was from Africa? I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I want to just say that Tertullian, he defined the Trinity, uh, I think, before the Council of Nicaea. Yeah, I forget the timeline on it. I want to say it was before or it was, around, it was in that space. I don't want to, I don't want to quote, uh, but... Even talking about the Council of Nicaea, we don't talk about how many Africans were actually there at the Council of Nicaea. Yeah, so a lot of a lot of a lot of black religions come. They come and say that 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 the Council of Nicaea is where a lot of uh, heresy, you know, uh, formed our our, our thinking. And they talk about Constantine and all of these things, but not like Tertullian defined the Trinity um, years before a lot of these so called. False doctrines in the Christian faith form, and it's like so he, yeah, he shaped a lot of, uh, yeah, he confirmed what the early church taught years before people. That was so. That's one thing I want to get at. So I think sometimes people, you just gotta. I hate to use this word, do your homework, do your research, but I say in one of my early poems as a as a real thing, we say doubt your doubts, and I was talking about this even in my last uh, one of my recent podcasts about deconstructing faith, and we hear things about like. You know, well, you know, the Council of Nicaea really is where you know the Roman Church kind of made what was going to happen, and the it's a misunderstanding of what really happened at the Council of Nicaea. It really Speak was a lot of church leaders coming to um, argue, yeah, you know, about what the consensus was for a long time. Like, like what, they, what, what do we, what, we what do we believe in. as a church? Yeah, because I don't think there was a time. You talk, again talking about persecuted church. Ooh, that's such a great point for later, but. The church early on for the, you know, first, the Council of Nicaea doesn't happen until uh, roughly 300 years after um, the resurrection of Christ. Mm-hmm. And the church largely up until that point was very, very persecuted. So there wasn't really time to write down systematically what we believe, what is the Trinity, what is what is salvation, what is it. 
this was a more so oral tradition um, mm-hmm. and and written as well. But there was a there wasn't really time to sit down and just contemplate, you know, and write down in very systematic ways and formal ways of what the church believes. And so because the church was so persecuted now. What happens is, of course, Constantine does, the emperor, he does get a, a hold of Christianity later on. Yeah. And, you know, then we start to see Christianity become more politicized. It has more formal power. And almost overnight, the Christian church turns from being the persecuted to like being like now you can really have some position of power. Yeah. And that's a whole other conversation in and of itself. But either way, there was a now it's like we have time to really sit down and think about okay, what we what do we really um, believe as a church? Interesting enough, though, that translates for the black Christian today as well, especially for black Christians who have been so, you know, enthralled with theology or whatever. You think about the persecuted church in America and how white theology has always been heralded many times as the sort of not heralded, but I mean, this is a suggestion. I felt it in very conservative white spaces that, you know, white theology is is the right theology. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the American theologians and Puritans and stuff like that and European the- theologians had this time to really carve out what they believe. You start having a lot of these very um, great European American minds to spell out what Christians believe, your Jonathan Edwards, your George Whitfields, and all that. And it's like, well, well, what were black Americans doing while they had all this time to come up with this the theology? That's a really good question. That's a that's a really and good question. They yeah. were getting a different type of theology. Yeah. They were understanding suffering and they were getting a a, a, a more front row uh seminary class with Jesus in a way that white white Christians were not being able to spell out in their systematic theology. They were understanding the theology of suffering. Yeah. And and that plays out even now. When we go down the history, like when we even now, bro, just look at our worship songs. Yeah. And the tradition of 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 yes. white CCM songs. And black black and, and black songs. What is the theology? The theology comes down a sort of a heritage of um you think about a hymn like I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe. It's all place. about it's all about how we then sings my soul, my yes. savior, God to thee, how great thou art. And it's a very high theology of how we view God. Right. Yeah. And then and so you carry that heritage down and you start you hear these like very um songs that are very, you know, geared towards like high like, yeah. Songs about God in a very abstract theological sort of philosophical way how yeah. great thou are you you know but then what is the heritage of black songs mm-hmm. you go down the line and you come up with stuff like our most popular songs are never would have made, made it without you because we learn god through our suffering bro it's a different and it's still that like it's not we're starting to see a little bit more crossover now but still the, the it's starkly different of like I've learned God through suffering. Yes. I can't I can't tell you, I can't spell out the hypostatic union. I can't tell you um the 
the, you know, talk about new textual criticism of the New Testament and and how, you know, the translations of the Bible were made. I don't know. I just know that when I was in need and I was suffering and I couldn't get my bills paid somehow, Jesus came through. And that is my theology. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not a theology that is more wrong. Yeah. Nor is it a theology um, that is less powerful. Yes. And the reason why we're so expressive is because slaves couldn't read. We had to learn, like you said, the, the word of God through verbal communication. Right. So we 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 verbalized and we sung songs and, and a lot of people heard the gospel through songs and through yeah. prayers or whatever and you know and stuff like that. But so I yeah, what you just said was a, a a lot of a lot of good things. I think this this last past year I have had so many conversations with with black people who's just been struggling with their faith and struggling what do they do with their faith and have all these questions that they that they and heard from Hebrew Israelites, like, what did the Council of Nicaea do? Like, what, 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 what did Constantine do? And I think if you talk about Constantine, I think in a lot of ways, like, he, yeah, in a lot of ways, like, he he, he made it so, you know, that the, the church can be tax-free and all of these, these things, right? Um, but when you look at the history of Christianity, uh, there's, there's, unlike Hebrew Israelites, or unlike um, the Jehovah's Witness faith, unlike all of these other faiths, there isn't a, a leader, a, a, a leader that you can that you can trace back. That's 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 unlike Jesus. Like it, it, what, what, basically, what I'm trying to explain is in Jehovah's Witnesses, you trace back that that their leader, Charles Taze Russell. That's a man. If that that man didn't exist, that religion wouldn't exist. The Hebrew Israelites, people don't talk about William um, um, Cody or whatever in 1800s who had this epiphany that the black man was the the lost children of Israel or whatever. And then so he went on this quest. And that's how the Hebrew Israelites started in the 1800s. But when you look at Christianity, there's no denying that Jesus is our God. There's 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 no one. Cutting out the middleman. Yeah. Yeah. You cut out the middleman. Like and so so I think for the for the for the for the saint who's struggling with is Christianity the the right thing? There's nobody to really trace back in our history. Constantine didn't create; he just came and confirmed what was already. Yeah, and he wielded it for his own power, but that's yes. a whole other conversation. Yes, he did. Do Europeans use that Christianity was, for their own power? Yes, but that's not the that, question at hand. That, 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 and that was my next point. So I think what happened is we've allowed what white men did with this beautiful history. Throughout his throughout history, and we try to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah, we try to say, you know what, um, the white man has taken this this word of God and corrupted it, so it must not be true. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, we can't allow what somebody did with this beautiful word to 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 make it not be true. It's it's still true. Yeah, and, I, and I, so I think in a lot of ways, I think that it it is really good for the black Christian to start to figure out ways in which. They can, yeah, deconstruct their faith in healthy ways, yeah. and 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 not and not if you don't want to embrace this westernized type of Christianity, don't think that you're not a Christian because you 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 don't want to do so. Yeah, that 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 the Bible, in a lot of ways, um, not in a lot of ways, in all ways, should shape what we think about God. But we have been whitewashed. Yeah. Christianity has been whitewashed in this country. Yeah. And that and that and so so don't don't allow anybody to to make you think that just because you don't want to learn in white spaces, just because you don't want to seem white, 
worship style songs just because you don't want to listen to John Piper. Right. And you want to listen to Eric Mason yeah. <laughs> or Charlie Dates. Yeah. That you're not a Christian. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, 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 I yeah, don't, don't let them think that culture is, uh, your, your culture is not of God. Right. And so I, I think that the, 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 the black Christian has to do a, the hard work of really wrestling with, with not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. That our culture, that in a lot of ways, in a, in, that uh, America and just Western culture has demonized as yeah. unbiblical. Yeah. It, you know, uh, it's not true. I think you got to wrestle your way back to the resurrection and then you can figure out everything else later. It's like, yo, did Jesus really die? Did he really, did he really rise from the grave? I think that question for a lot of different things solves or at least gives you a foundation to move up from. And so I, t- I was mentioning this the other day on a live stream. I was saying the questions we have to ask are, is, one, who is Jesus? Who do you believe Jesus is? Two, who do you believe Jesus believed he is? <laughs> and what does Jesus believe about the Bible? Those three questions right there mm-hmm. um, really lay a foundation to move upward. And so, and it gives you a space to really ask genuine questions. But I think if you start messing with the upper stuff first and you can kind of get, you can get sort of um, caught in the weeds of what's not really the the most important thing. Yeah. And I remember one of my friends, well, really a family member on my Facebook had posted a a post on, he said, uh, I think it was like a meme that said, question, who were black people praying to before slavery? And, or I think he said, who were Africans or something like that? Yeah, black people before slavery, basically saying we're Africans, you know, kind of suggesting that we should go back to some, you know, native African religion. And I was like, to your question, I was like, well, it depends. You know, who were black people praying to? Who were black people worshiping before? Ch- it depends on what part of Africa you're talking about. Yeah. We have this idea that somehow black people have always been a monolith of, of religion, that we've yeah. all agreed on Everything. Who, is, who is the God of the black people. They, I'm so glad you said that. Yeah. It's, it's so not true. It's like, it's not true. It's like, this, I was like, it depends on what part of Africa. Yeah. Because in it, Ethiopia, like the Ethiopian church was very instrumental in in worshiping and in serving Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. We had the Europe, we had the Ethiopian eunuch, it, you know, recorded, you know, even in the scriptures before we even start talking about just extra biblical uh, history. Yeah. The, yeah. And, and, but not only that though, I said, man, you have to think of it this way. Even if you just look at a map and you see where, if, if Christianity, if Judaism starts in, in the Middle East and spreads out, there's no social media, mm-hmm. there's no boats, there's no planes. Word news travels through feet. Yeah. Not over Wi-Fi. Right. It travels through feet. Yeah. And so I'm like, just look at a map and you see the natural trajectory before we even get to bodies of water, or whatever. Like, how does word, how does word spread? Well, it spreads by feet. It's only it, it's the the gospel gets to Africa. 
it also gets to Europe at some point. You know, we have, you know, Rome and so forth like that. But it's also getting to Africa as well. Now we have a white version of of uh, of Christianity that develops in European spaces and then makes its way back around to West Africa and imposes that white supremacist uh, version of Christianity on West Africa. We have we have chattel yeah. slavery and all that, whatever it may be. But kind of to your point earlier, if you think that Christianity is a white man's religion, that thought in and of itself is a result of really successful white supremacy. It is. Because that's exactly what their goal was. It's, like, it's let you know, like, uh, yeah, okay, that, yeah, God came to dark-skinned people, brown-skinned people first, but what we're going to do, I said, man, is, is that not gentrification? Yeah. A space that was for dark-skinned people, white people came in and said, oh, this has always been our space. Yes. Y'all can live here if you want to, but only on our terms. Not, on, not only not only has it always been ours when it, when it wasn't, um, I think the, the gospel was for the whole world, but... You're, you were created to serve us. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. And, and we have the right to oppress you. Right. Um, because you're not as, you're not more human than us. Like, you know, so it's just, it's just, it was just lies. And so that's, that's a really, really good point. Can I, can I ask you a question though, to, uh, that, that I want to ask you earlier? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, about the division part. Mm, I, yeah. I forgot about that. Cause I, cause I, I've heard a lot of people, I hear a lot of people who, who, who say that. And um, I, sometimes I hear it from very healthy perspectives and sometimes I hear it from very unhealthy perspectives. But mm. I don't totally disagree with, uh, with the ideology of division, but I think that it has to be, yeah, look a certain way. So I would just love to hear your, your opinion on that. Man, a, a scripture I bring up often, um, when Paul is in, I believe it was in 2 Corinthians, when he's addressing division in the church and you know it's over they, they were wild and the corinthians were wild and over mm-hmm. uh communion and stuff like that or whatever and there's a little past sort of a, a a part of the scriptures you can sort of overlook as he's talking about this as sort of like a sort of like a side thought he says though i know there must be depending on what version you read i know there must be factions among you to prove who's genuine. I know there must be divisions among you. He said, though I know he's addressing a division. What he doesn't want is a division that is unholy and that, that, um, that shows partiality, um, that subjects people that it leaves people on the outskirts. That's, and, uh, that is a sort of satanic division. Mm. But he says, I know that there must be factions among you to prove who's genuine. I'm like, what, what is that? And you think about it, you say, there has to be some kind of disagreement if we're like, there has to be some sort of pushing back to prove who is genuine. Because if it's, if, if wrong ideology comes in and nobody challenges it, we just, then how do we know who's really genuine and who's really authentic? We just kind of living amongst each it's other. It's like, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, I don't think that's right. But if you said it, I don't want to be divisive, so I'll let it slide. And it's yeah. like, no, 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 no. If no one challenges that, then we don't see who's inauthentic. Yeah. So if someone comes in with some with some with some old mess, with some old filth, and there's not a challenge, mm. then you can let that stuff spread and it goes unchecked. 
So there has to be some kind of division among you to prove who's genuine. There has to be some kind of division, not unnecessary division, a good division. Mm-hmm. There has to be a good challenging among you to prove who is who is really real. And so that's my thing. And I know social media makes it very hard because that division can be done without, again, the social context. It can be a very theological, philosophical, abstract, intellectual um, sparring that you're doing with with a screen name mm-hmm. that you're doing with an Instagram handle and you're not doing it with a real person like we're doing and sitting I'm looking in your eyes yeah. because the division that I have with Preston Perry in real life is going to look much different because it's like man I got to look you in the face yeah. and say what I really think about you yeah and yeah. I and but online it's like I can say whatever I want to yeah that division you know what I'm saying so it's it gets really tricky online but when we're in these spaces as Christians, we can't say that all division is bad division. Because is, is that not what Jesus is going to do at some point, uh, separating the wheat from the tear? He's going to create division to prove who is genuine and who is not. Yeah. And we have to move in that space as Christians as well, in a healthy way, in a in a in a in a loving way. But I think the the, the problem is, I think sometimes we want division. Um. We want to create that division and push back online in a way that's like people that you don't know. And I think that's where it gets dangerous. I'd rather have these types of factions because, again, when Paul was making this 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 challenge, he was giving it in the context of a house church of churches, people who were doing life together. And he said, I know there must be divisions among you to prove he's genuine. It gets really hazy when you try to apply that in a one-to-one scenario to yeah. online. Cause now it's like, well, I don't really walk with you like that though. Absolutely. Dog. Yeah. You're not even in my local community. I don't know. You probably had dead bodies in your basement. Like now. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But you're telling me. Telling me what I should how, do. Yeah. It like, gets real tricky. And that's what I'd be telling people, man. Like in a lot of ways, we cannot look at social media to be real. Not saying mm-hmm. all of it is fake. It's just like, right. but it's a difference. God gave us local communities for a reason. But no, I agree. I, that's why I wanted to ask your opinion because I, I value your opinion and I, I, I totally agree. And I, you talked about, you know, Jesus uh, separating the wheat from the tares, but that's exactly what he said in his word when he said, you know, don't think that I came here to bring peace on everybody. And I come to bring peace with a sword. I come to set a mother against a daughter, a father against his son, a mother-in-law against a daughter-in-law, and a man enemy would be those of his own household. I think what Jesus is saying is like, yo, like, I my Christianity and my coming is really destructive in, in in the sense of that I'm going to divide people who think that they're for me from the people who are really for me. Yeah. For the people who really think they, 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 they serve a God of justice. And I'm going to show you that these people don't really care about justice, nor do they care about their neighbor. You know what I mean? And I think yeah. that, that, that healthy divide has to happen. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, but that, it just has to look healthy. Yeah. And, and again, as a particular it gets, you know, it's only you have to take it with a grain of salt when you're when you're online because it's like uh, it, it's tricky. But at the same time, you want to, especially as people who have some, uh, you know, a following an audience or whatever that may value your thoughts, you want to be very careful with your words. And I'm not always the most careful with my words. <laughs> Lord, help me be more careful with my words. Uh, which is why I've sort of avoided social media in a lot of ways and why I've really loved the podcast setting because I feel like you're able to have a bit more nuance of a conversation with people who you know. And I hope this is encouraging to people to have conversations with people that you know or at least get to know people in a space that you can have conversations because, like, I was having a you know a conversation on my last podcast episode with 
will, you know, we're talking about queerness or whatever, and queerness in Christianity. And some people didn't like the way the conversation went because they're used to conversations of what it should look like in a debate setting or on social media. You got to challenge people and say this and this and this and this. Yeah. These are the, the points that you should make. And I'm like, I hope this is at least giving people the encouragement to say, sit down and talk to people and have a, a genuine conversation. And you're not here to just bring up really cool points or oh, make sure you challenge them on this. It's like, you got to talk to them. And I think that's what you, oftentimes what you bring up in your apologetics uh, approach, whether you're actually doing it yourself or when you're you know talking to people, doing workshops and stuff. It's like, it's not so much. Jesus had the luxury of knowing people's hearts from the jump. Yeah. So he can do apologetics in a much different way. It's like, all right, yeah. know your heart and I can judge it accurately. We have to be a bit more tactful and understanding that I really don't be knowing people like that. So I yeah. got to ask questions. I want to just challenge people who, who one, are probably listening to this podcast and then people who listen to the podcast with you and Will and who had these questions about, like, why didn't you um, ask him, you know, this and why you asked him that? I mean, I, the last video I put on my channel, Bo TV, I did a video with a, a lady who worships her ancestors and so many people thought that I, I should have hit her with this theological question, that theological question. But to your point, I think that Jesus he did have the luxury of knowing people's hearts, right? But even the, the Jesus and all the knowledge that he had, him being 100% God and 100% man, he never came with five points that he wanted to bring. He always asked questions, and those questions allowed people to come up with their own conclusion about their hearts. And I think that's the beauty of Jesus's questions. Jesus wasn't asking questions to know. To learn something. To, to learn something, Right. Or to or or he wasn't at, or, or he wasn't um, um, trying to stomp him in an argument or trying to shut him down. But no, like he he you know when he asked the woman at the like at the well like like where's your husband? He knew what he was asking, right? He he wanted her to come up with the conclusion like you know what like I did have five of them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and so I think what you did with Will is. It's an it's, it's beautiful apologetics. One because you don't because you, you have a, a relationship with him. You guys know each other, but also too, um, we allow people to see our worldview and come up with their own conclusion about their hearts. But we also get to know people, yeah. and a lot of times we somebody will go in a situation with a will for an, an example, and they come with five points and don't even really know his name all the way for real. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And so now this person feels like a project and not a person. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And that's not that's not real apologetics. That's not that when the when the Bible tells us to always be prepared to to defend the um, what we believe. Um but but it goes on to say but do it with gentleness and respect and with honor so those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Like that's what it means. Yeah. So I think that you that that wasn't apologetic. Like, and even in y'all natural conversation, you asking questions and you stating your position and so forth and so on. I think it was beautiful. Yeah, you know. Um, and you guys don't have to. You guys don't have to say, say I disagree or this is wrong and that is. It, 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 you don't have to do that. Yeah, you know. Your saying? greatest apologetic, man. At the end of the day, 
Because I don't believe that apologetics, nor do I believe doubt, is purely an intellectual exercise. Like it's it's so much more than just like we reduce people down to, oh, 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 I hear what you're saying. That sounds like this philosophy that I or this religion. So oh I already know you like let's let's I'm gonna right. I'm gonna narrow it down. It's to a combination this. of what we've yeah. studied and stuff. Yeah, like yeah. That. So they become this yeah, like you said, a project and not a person. And what we're missing is that the questions that people have and the doubts that they have, whatever it may be, even our, and we know that for ourselves, you getting the right answers, the right intellectual answers is not going to solve all your problems. It's also mixed in with your experience and you don't know what people's experience is until you ask them. You know what I'm saying? A lot of times that they have... A, they have experiential problems with God. It's not simply intellectual problems with God. They have an existential, they have a command. This happened to me and because of this happened or somebody did this to me or whatever, I can't get with God. Mm-hmm. Or my blackness was challenged in this way or it was degraded in this way and because of that, I can't get down with this white religion. It's not simply the intellectual argument. It's also my experience Mm-hmm. has been bad. Wow. You know, and so I you have to address the experience and and so Jesus also says um that this is how that this is how they'll know this is how they'll 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 know uh who I am, who you are, that that you love the brothers. There's this your love is an apologetic towards them and towards each other. That's, that's what I was just about to say. That is an apologetic because if, if we if the, the the main scripture that we have when, when apologetics is First Peter three fifteen and it tells us to defend the, the the gospel or whatever and everybody has the apologia right right the, the, the apologia like the defense down so so we go into these we go into these to these um, conversations with just the the mindset that I have to defend I have to defend I have to defend and we look at people like enemies and so we talk to them like enemies or you know what I mean or opposition. But no, like that whole passage is surrounded around conduct, behavior, gentleness, respect, um, and so in in the pa- the, the the beginning of the passage, First um, Peter three fifteen, it says, "In your hearts of hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy." And mm-hmm. then it goes on to say, "Always being prepared to make a defense for, for the reason why the you." Starting believe. point is Jesus, the not st- your argument. Yes, the starting point is is uh, honoring the honoring of a heart that is holy. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Honoring God is holy. And then it goes, always be de- prepared to make a defense, the defense part. And then it goes into conduct with gentleness and respect. And so I think that Jesus knows that when we go into these conversations, we have to defend what we believe for our own sake, for for, for, for guarding our own faith. But the gentleness and respect part comes for their faith. Like it comes, it comes for it comes for the sake of their souls. Like if we don't, if we if we go into situations and and not caring about the heart of the person, right? So when I do bold TV episodes, I'm not thinking about just the people who are watching this, right? In their faith, right? But I cannot, I cannot think about y'all and neglect the heart that's in front right of me, in front of you, dog, and neglect, and neglect the soul that's in front of me. So when I'm talking to the to the Mormon, that's the reason why I told them. It's like I love you. And I love you. Like, this is not me trying to stomp an argument to show my people that y'all have a false religion. Right. This is for the sake of um, defending the faith. But I'm also, I, I also care about your soul. And I, yeah. so 
you know, every time we you think that I'm trying to embarrass you or put you to shame, I want to stop. Yeah. And I want to, I want if I had to re- reiterate a million times that I love you, I'm going to do so. And I think that if we have that, have that, have that mind frame that we will see that when Jesus tells us in Matthew 28 to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit, that all nations, he's literally saying all peoples. It literally means all peoples in the Greek. And that means people who have, who have different worldviews. That means the, the Hebrew Israelite and the Jehovah's Witness and the Mormon. Like, like making disciples out of them looks different, mm-hmm. but it still has to be a, approached with a gentleness, a love, and a respect if we're going to reach them in our disagreement. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that's an apologetic. And I, I, think, I think for the person who wants to be or the inspired apologist who goes into a situation and has these, these 19 theological points that you want to bring into this argument with this person who's probably hungry or probably grew up hungry or probably had a bad experience and don't understand that even in John 9 when Jesus heals the blind man, um, um, he, he the disciples ask him, you know, Jesus who's saying this man to his parents that he's born blind. And Jesus goes on to say, um, neither his parents nor he's sinned, but he was born blind so that the glory of God will be revealed in his life. Jesus healed this man of physical blindness and then later on in the passage, he comes back and asks the same man, do you know who the son of man is? Do you, do you know who the son of God is? And the man goes, no, I don't know who the son of man is. Tell me so that I can worship him. And then Jesus says, for I'm the one that you're speaking to. And then that's when the man fell down and worshiped Jesus. And I think that that story is so beautiful because it shows us this picture of Jesus meeting this man's physical blindness needs before he met his spiritual. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't think apologetics is that way. Mm. Right, and so the Pharisees was right there and was like, "Jesus, what, are we blind too?" And then Jesus says, "No, you're not blind because if you were blind, uh, um, you will be um, you will be innocent. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt will remain." So Jesus is displaying this 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 salvific work in front of all of these people. But before he did that, before he gave this man spiritual, uh, um, catered to this man's spiritual needs, he first healed this man of physical blindness. When he was sitting outside the synagogue begging for all of his life, he was born this way. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And so when we think about apologetics, our apologetics has to be that way. Social justice is an apologetic. Right? It is. It is. We cannot think, we cannot think that that our lack of that, that our silence about black issues are, 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 are not gonna work against us when we it's an go argument into, against Christianity. Yeah, when we go into black communities telling them about Jesus. Yeah. When I was growing up in the hood, I didn't want to hear about a God who didn't care about my suffering. I didn't yeah. want to hear about a God who, who who didn't care about I had I need to be able to see it. Don't right. just tell me he care about my like I got friends who come into school just to eat the free lunch. Yeah. Cause they so poor. Yeah. It's like if the Hebrew Israelites care about us more, I want to hear about their God. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So our, our love for people is an apologetic. Um, yeah. So we just, yeah, we have to, we have to, I think, reshape the way we think about apologetics and how we serve people, for real. Yo, that wraps it up for this episode of the Flights and Feelings 
podcast. Thank y'all so much for tuning in. Uh, I know we missed last week. A lot was happening. I ran out of, I say I ran out of Wi-Fi, like it's something that you can use up, like some cereal or something. My Wi-Fi was out for a week and some change, and it just made things really annoying. So I'm just glad to be back at it now. We're still on schedule. Next week will be an episode with my friend John Amuchek. We're talking about um, unimpressiveness of life. Uh, it's a really great conversation that people on Patreon have already heard, actually, because they got to see it recorded live. And that's something I think I want to do in the future when I bring on guests. I would love to see let people see the behind the scenes of how we record these podcasts. So if you want to see that happen, you can definitely join the Sky Club on Patreon at patreon.com slash what is Joe doing. Thank you all so much once again for tuning in. You could be going anywhere in the world, but you're right here. So thank you for choosing the Flights and Feelings podcast. Remember to always fly home. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Atlanta, where the local time is 1046 a.m. For your safety and the safety of those around you, please remain seated with your seatbelt fastened and keep the aisles clear until we are parked at the gate. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.